Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you download our free Living Truth app. Now, here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Ephesians 2, 19-22, called God's Household or My Father's House. Take your Bible, if you would, open it to Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to be looking at a message called God's Household or My Father's House. Ephesians 2. One of my favorite uh, parts of the service is to watch you guys hug each other. It's a really heartwarming time. And I say that with all seriousness because it's a beautiful thing to watch the body of Christ. And the love that you guys have for one another is really precious. And it's something that I don't think you see anywhere else in all the world is the love uh, between Christians. And so tonight we're going to talk about that love in just a few verses. It's the end of Ephesians chapter 2. What leads into it is Paul talking to us about this new community in which Jew and Gentile have come together. And we mentioned historically, I'm not sure if you guys know the full extent of the racial hatred between Jews and Gentiles, but it was really severe Uh, There's Jewish writings that say Gentiles were only created to fuel the fires of hell. So you can imagine that's a pretty low view of uh, Gentiles. Gentiles were any non-Jewish persons. And so the Jewish thought was, especially among the religious elite, elite, God only loves us. He doesn't love anybody else. And of course, I think as Christians, we can get caught into that as well. We can categorize certain people groups and think that God could never love them. He only loves the United States, or he only loves this or that. But that's not true at all. God is not a God who shows partiality. He loves. And so in the Christian church, what ends up happening is that Jew and Gentile become one. And it says in verse 13 of chapter 2, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were formerly afar off, that's the Gentiles, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. That's the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. For he himself is our, the way that we would say it in Hebrew, is our shalom. He is the, the one that destroys the author of chaos. He is the one that deals with our root issues. He is the one that brings, the word means well-being in all the sense of the word. He is our peace who made, notice how it follows, who made both groups into one, that's Jew and Gentile, and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall. There was a little wall that separated the court of the Gentiles from the inner courts that led up to the holy place and the holy of holies. And Gentiles could only go so far. And then they would have to stop. And there was even a warning. They dug it up in in excavations, I think, two times in the last 100 years. The warning that was posted to Gentiles, if you go beyond this point, if you cross the dividing wall, if you cross the barrier, you will pay with your own life. And apparently Rome had given the Jews at least this ability to execute people who had broken this religious law. The court of the Gentiles, of course, was the place that the uh, high priest has set up his bazaar, you know, to rip off the people. And, to, and that's where Jesus went to overturn the, the tables of the money changers. And he said, my father's house will be called a house of prayer. Do you remember how he finished it? For all the nations. And I think he was talking about there the court of the Gentiles. But you have turned it into a robber's den. You have exploited these people when they were coming hungry to know God. 
And the Jews were supposed to be a light to the nations. They were not supposed to push people away. They were supposed to encourage people to come to the true and living God. They were supposed to be that country on a hill, if you will, but they failed. And they let the cultures around them somehow influence them instead of them influencing them for good. Let's pray. Father, we pray that as we study this text now, that we would see the beautiful picture of your house, and it is good to be part of your family tonight. Thank you for the gathering of believers. Give us understanding into your holy word as we divide it. We want to divide it accurately. We want to honor you, Father, and we also want to make the appropriate application tonight. So just help us to have open hearts, pliable in your hands, in Jesus' name. Amen. And so Paul, going in now, after he talks about This peace that we have through Jesus, he is our peace. Skip down to verse 17. It says, And he, that's Jesus, came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. Again, Jew and Gentile. For through him we both have our access in one spirit to the Father. Now remember when Jesus died, that great curtain was torn from top to bottom, indicating that there was now access into the presence of God. So then, let's read the verses and we'll come back and break them down, starting at 19. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, 20, having been built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of of God in the Spirit. So skip down, uh, look back to verse 19. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens. Now, I don't know how many of you have done traveling uh, in different countries, but my son recently did some traveling. He had really never traveled before, and he decided to take a far trip And he went to Europe and he ended up in Greece and he went and he was able to track some of Paul's uh, missionary journeys. And what he had to do is do a stopover in Rome. And we're Italian, so uh, his experience in Rome was kind of an interesting thing to think about. Well, he said Italians, especially in Rome, were extremely rude to him. Very sad to hear that being Italian. But anyway, thought the homeland would be different. But he ended up, he had a, a layover for a while and he was in an airport, and he had no Wi-Fi. Some of you can totally relate to this. So he couldn't get on any of his devices, so he had to sit there for hours and hours. Young people especially, this would be totally devastating, right? And, but, but nobody spoke the language either, so he couldn't even like sit and have a conversation with anybody because you couldn't even have a conversation. So then he ended up at another place, and he was supposed to get on this bus. And so he went to this counter, and he's trying to get help from this lady. And I, I believe he was still in Rome at this point. And the lady, he said, was extremely rude to him because he didn't speak the language because he only spoke English. So she wouldn't help him. So he ended up taking his guitar, and he jumped on this bus, and he was hoping that it was the right bus. And the bus, I think, traveled for like 90 minutes. And he was like, oh, Lord, please, 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 you know, trying to end up at his destination. And so finally the bus pulled up, The lights came on and he looked out and he saw one of his team members from the Bible college standing there and they caught eyes and they were like, (sighs) he saw them, he saw them, they saw him and they were all jumping up and down and he was rejoicing. He had found his party and it made all the difference in the world. Now he was like, oh yeah. There was total relief. But you, you can feel that emotion, can't you? The Being somewhere in a foreign land, nobody speaks the language, you're kind of this outcast, and you're trying to find your way just to your people, and it's tough. 
In September 1999, both the Chicago Tribune and the New York Times featured articles that told the incredible story of a man named Mirhan Karimi Nasiri. For 11 years, he was a man without a country. For 11 years, he lived in a Paris airport. He had no passport. He had no citizenship. He had no papers that enabled him to leave the airport or fly to another country. He had been expelled from his native country of Iran. Then he was sent away from Paris, France because he lacked documentation. He said his Belgian-issued refugee document had been stolen. He flew to England but was denied entry and sent back to Paris. When he was returned to the Paris airport in 1988, airport authorities allowed him to live in Terminal 1. And there he stayed for 11 years. He was uh, daily writing in his diary. He lived off handouts from airport employees and he cleaned up in the airport bathroom. Then in September 1999, the situation reversed. French authorities presented Nasiri with an international travel card and a French residence permit. And suddenly he was a he was free man and he could go anywhere he wanted. But when airport officials handed him his walking papers, to everyone's surprise, he simply smiled tucked the documents in his folder, and resumed writing in his diary. They found he was afraid to leave the bench and table that had been his home for 11 years. As the days passed and Nasiri refused to leave, airport officials said that they would not throw him out of the airport, but they would have uh, to gently and patiently coax him to find a new home. Can you imagine a stranger home than an airport living in Terminal 1? It's bustling, It's interesting, but it's not home. And when we come to Christ, we have a move to make that can be frightening, maybe as frightening as the story that we've just heard, a true story. We have to move away from the airport. We've been beckoned from the unnatural home of the ways of this fallen world to our new home, the ways of the kingdom of God. And I wonder sometimes if some of us are still living like we don't belong. I think sometimes it's, it's a transition period, you know. I remember years ago, I was about to become the pastor of a church. It was only the second church my wife and I had ever known. Uh, we had been in one church for 10 years in the city of Orange. We had all these relationships and friendships. We had moved to Corona, and through a series of events, I won't tell you tonight, some of you know them, the Lord brought me to this little church in Corona, and I was about to become the pastor, and this was back in 1998. And we were invited to a Thanksgiving potluck, and it was very strange because I was about to become the pastor of this church, but nobody knew that I was going to be the pastor. It was still not public knowledge. And so we went to this potluck with all these new people, and we knew absolutely nobody. And it was such an awkward feeling to have all these friends, to be in a leadership position, and then end up in a place where you're at this huge table and you knew nobody, and you were just wondering one thing. Is anybody going to sit with us? Is anybody going to talk to us? Now, sometimes on a Sunday morning, you, have your, you all have your group, probably, that you're very comfortable with, and so you could be fellowshipping and whatever, you're having a cup of coffee, and sometimes you see this person, and they come into the courtyard, and they have that look. Do you know that look? This is my first time here. Is anybody going to talk to me? And sometimes I see the people from a distance. I can tell because sometimes they have kids and they don't know where the children's ministry is. And it's not that easy to negotiate here. And so sometimes I'll just walk up and try to initiate. Oh, are you guys new? Oh, yeah. And it's always awkward and they say, no, we've been coming here for 12 years. What's your problem? (laughs) You ever had that before? (laughs) Are you new here? What do you mean am I new here? I was here. I was here before you ever got here. Oh, well, I'm sorry. So you got to be careful when it comes to that kind of stuff. But... 
You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Pastor Michael Lance would like to invite you to our next 633 event called On the Brink, A Warning to America. I can't think of anything more relevant and more that needs explanation and clarification and illumination than the topic of Marxism, socialism, and communism. The next 633 event will be August 22nd at 6.30 with guest pastor Christian Ionesco. He's a Chicago pastor who fled persecution in communist Romania and really became a religious refugee in America. Now he is saying that he is seeing signs in America, similar things that were happening in Romania as they were being prepped to really transfer over to communism. Learn more about this next 633 event on walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH or visit walkintruth.com. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. We'd love to see who's listening. So please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. But they would have uh, to gently and patiently coax him to find a new home. Can you imagine a stranger home than an airport living in Terminal 1? It's bustling, it's interesting, but it's not home. And when we come to Christ, we have a move to make that can be frightening, maybe as frightening as the story that we've just heard, a true story. We have to move away from the airport. We've been beckoned from the unnatural home of the ways of this fallen world to our new home, the ways of the kingdom of God. And I wonder sometimes if some of us are still living like we don't belong. I think sometimes it's, it's a transition period, you know. I remember years ago, I was about to become the pastor of a church. It was only the second church my wife and I had ever known. Uh, we had been in one church for 10 years in the city of Orange. We had all these relationships and friendships. And we had moved to Corona, and through a series of events, I won't tell you tonight, some of you know them, the Lord brought me to this little church in Corona, and I was about to become the pastor, and this was back in 1998. And I, we were invited to a Thanksgiving potluck, and it was very strange because I was about to become the pastor of this church, but nobody knew that I was going to be the pastor. It was still not public knowledge. And so we went to this potluck with all these new people, and we knew absolutely nobody. And it was such an awkward feeling to have all these friends, to be in a leadership position, and then end up in a place where you're at this huge table, and you knew nobody, and you were just wondering one thing. Is anybody going to sit with us? Is anybody going to talk to us? Now, sometimes on a Sunday morning, you, have your, you all have your group, probably, that you're very comfortable with, and so you could be fellowshipping and whatever. You're having a cup of coffee, and sometimes you see this person, and they come into the courtyard, and they have that look. Do you know that look? This is my first time here. Is anybody going to talk to me? And sometimes I see the people from a distance. I can tell because sometimes they have kids and they don't know where the children's ministry is. And it's not that easy to negotiate here. And so sometimes I'll just walk up and try to initiate. Oh, are you guys new? Oh, yeah. And it's always awkward and they say, no, we've been coming here for 12 years. What's your problem? You ever had that before? <laughs> are you new here? What do you mean am I new here? I was here, I was here before you ever got here. Oh, well, I'm sorry. So you got to be careful when it comes to that kind of stuff, but... 
But in verse 19 of chapter 2, it says, So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens. A couple Greek words here. The word for stranger means to be a foreigner. It means to be out of place. It means to be unusual. It means to be the guest. That's the word, you are no longer strangers. It is weird to be the foreigner, isn't it? It is weird to be the guest in a place. You know, everybody wants to single out the guest, right? So you are no longer strangers, and you are no longer, look at verse 19, aliens. Alien is a weird word, isn't it? We we always think of little green men, I think, when we see that word. But you're no longer strangers, and you're no longer aliens. That word means a foreigner or a resident alien. Now, Holly came back to us tonight, and uh, she came back from Mexico. And uh, Holly, uh, you, you know the language. Holly, wave your hand at me. There you are. So you're learning the language, right? But you're kind of a resident alien. This is still your home, but you feel called, to the, obviously, to the Mexican people. And that's, that's kind of the idea of a Christian, because we can settle somewhere, but ultimately the Bible says that we are simply passing through. We are sojourners going to a different city, going to a different place. But this case, in terms of our spiritual position, and that's what these first three chapters are all about, is that we are no longer strangers and aliens, but we are rather, notice, fellow citizens. So the first part of this Bible study is about God's city. We are fellow citizens with the saints or with God's people. No longer strangers, no longer aliens, we are now fellow citizens. Do you remember when Paul was about to be beat up? The centurion heard that he was a Roman citizen, and he said to the commander, that's what he was told about him, he said, this man is a Roman. And the commander came to him and said, tell me, are you a Roman? And he said, yes. And the commander answered and said, I acquired this citizenship with a large sum of money. And Paul said, but I was actually born a citizen. For people in the ancient world, citizenship became a huge thing. It became about your identity, and that's really what our identity is about in our citizenship. Now, I'm proud to be a citizen of America. I critique America a lot because I have issues with where we're headed, certainly, but I am a citizen of a greater country. As proud as I am to be an American and as comfortable as I am in America, I know the customs, I know the laws, I understand the traffic. Have you ever been to another country? I went to India and, and the traffic was absolutely bonkers. We were driving down this one highway. The people are blowing whistles. The people never stop honking their horns. You thought it was bad in New York or L.A.? In India, they always honk their horns. It is a madhouse. You don't know which way people are going. And when we first came into the main city where we were headed, we got in a car accident. What happened was these cars were going around this turn and you don't see lanes or anything. You're like, this is wild. You find yourself, your prayer life's definitely improving. And we ran into this car. And so our driver gets out and he starts yelling at this other man. And they're going back and forth. You think, oh, great, we just got here. We're missionaries from America. And these people are fighting. Well, all of a sudden we saw our driver start to kind of back down. And he was actually acting rather sheepish. And we thought, what's going on? We found out later from the translator that the man that we had hit in the car was an official in the army. And once our driver realized who he was, our driver began to be very sheepish. And we're thinking, oh great, our driver's going to get us all arrested and we haven't even done anything in the country yet. Well, anyway, he, he did get us out of it and we ended up walking away and going to 
a one and a half star hotel. But anyway, <laughs> it says, our citizenship is in heaven from which we also, le- also we eagerly wait for a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory by the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. Our citizenship is in heaven. And then Paul talks right after that about the resurrection. We're going to be resurrected one day into a new kingdom. But we are now citizens of a different country. And Abraham, it says of him, he was looking for the city which has foundations whose architect and builder is God. He knew that he was simply passing through, a sojourner to another destination. And when you know that, when you know that as a believer, you can live on this planet as a resident alien. You know what I'm saying? You can live with your eyes on a coming city that even though we haven't arrived there yet, we know what's ahead of us. Jesus said, I go and prepare a place for you. Just think of those words. I go and prepare a place for you. So the Lord prepares this special place. And we have received the spirit of adoption by sons which we, which, by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Listen to these words. If indeed we suffer with him, in order that we also may be glorified with him. Now that's God's city. So you are no longer strangers and aliens, 19, chapter 2. You are fellow citizens with the saints. And you are, look at the second truth now, you are of God's household. So you have a new citizenship and you are now part of God's family. You are of God's household. Now, a household speaks of a lot of deep things for us. A household is a cool idea. I guess your household should be the place where you're most comfortable. It's kind of the place where you can let your hair down. It's kind of the place where you really begin to know people is in the household. Well, you are part of God's family, and you have been brought into his household. You are members of his household. And so the, the deep desire in our generation, I would say, we see it more and more, is to belong. I think everybody wants to belong. Have you noticed that kids will do some very strange things to belong? They'll sag their pants. They'll get tattoos. Some of them will even smoke or drink or do things because they want to belong to part of a group. Humans will do strange things to belong. And so one of the things that you need to know as a Christian is that you belong that you are a member of the family of God. You've been listening to God's Household or My Father's House, Part 1 on Walk in Truth. Pastor Michael's teaching in Ephesians 2, 19 through 22. Hey, and if you missed any part of today's program, you can always listen to Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Please follow Walk in Truth on social media. We'd love to see who's listening. Walk in Truth is on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can follow us at at Walk in Truth Show. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, it is wonderful to be part of something. And, you know, people will do uh, sometimes some pretty crazy things to belong, uh, whether it's how they dress or what they uh, link themselves to. But, you know, when you're part of the church, you are part of God's family, God's household. Now, You may be thinking, well, that's nice, and I'm a Christian, but I've been burned, or I've been hurt and wounded, and 
hey, welcome to the club. Christians disappoint sometimes. We've hurt each other sometimes, but you're still part of God's household. And if it's been a while for you, why don't you just come back into fellowship? And, uh, you know, (laughs) families are going to have issues just like everybody else, but this family is the best thing to be part of. And, and there are so many wonderful Christians out there. You know, we can think about all the negatives, but there's so many wonderful believers I've met over the years, giving, loving, beautiful people. The Holy Spirit just, it just radiates in them. Those are the people that keep me going uh, when I can be disappointed, you know, maybe at other things. And so you do belong. That's what you need to know. You belong. And hey, if you need prayer, if you're going through something difficult, we have a number that you can call 9 to 4, Tuesday through Friday, Pacific time, 844-48-TRUTH. And some of you have called that number and you've been able to talk to a pastor who prayed with you and heard you out. And that's why we're here, 844-48-TRUTH. So if you're in that situation and you just need some encouragement and somebody to pray with you, call the number 844-48-TRUTH. Hey, more on God's household tomorrow right here, Lord willing. We'll see you then. One more reminder that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported program. And thanks to listeners and church partners like you, we're now on three more radio stations. Praise God. Hey, if you're a longtime listener, could you please consider becoming a partner of at least $5 a month? You can visit walkintruth.com to donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. And join us tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael Lance's teaching in Ephesians 2, 19 through 22, called God's Household or My Father's House. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.